I have had a very sharp sword that is cut across here talking about marriage. And I've, you know, I've had some of you tell me, wow, preacher, that's been tough to go through some of those things. Today and next week, I'm going to talk specifically more about the family. Today about parenting. Next week is actually our back to school Sunday, and we're going to kind of talk around this theme about fighting for your children. Our children... Today I want to talk here from Ephesians chapter 6. Would you look at verse number 1? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of and admonition of the Lord. Today I want to talk on this subject, leading children in the home. Leading children in the home, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for the blessed opportunity to be able to share once again your holy word. Today I'm just a simple messenger. I have flaws all about me, but Lord, I want to be a vessel that you can use. Speak through me today. And I pray that people would listen wholeheartedly to thy word. Help me not to say anything that would be a hindrance, be hurtful. But Lord, I may only say those things that you put in my mouth. Bless this time. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I came across something some time ago that somebody had written about uh, growing up in a household and having rules and then now becoming a parent much later. And here's what this person said. We had the meanest parents in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess that our parents fixed us dinner that was different than what the other kids ate also. Our parents insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in prison. They had to know who our friends were, what we were doing with them. They insisted that if we said we would be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but they had the nerves to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think they lay awake all night thinking of more things for us to do. They always insisted on telling us us to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, it seemed like they could read our minds and life was really tough. They wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so our parents could meet them. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait till we were 18. Because of our parents, we missed out on lots of things other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all their fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night at a friend's house on Saturday evenings. Now that we've left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults, 
And we're doing the best we can to be mean parents just like our parents were. The world just doesn't have enough mean parents anymore. Now, I hope you understand by that silly illustration, I'm not here to share how parents here through Calvary Baptist Church can be mean parents. But I am desiring to help parents here today and even grandparents understand and really take hold of the responsibility of parenting. But I think there's something that all of us must be aware of that is taking place within our general society. First of all, the philosophy of the world is that to destroy the home. Now, I've said this already the last few weeks. This is not anything new. I sound like a broken record constantly saying it, but it is imperative that you hear this and understand it and know it. That this world is no friend of grace. The devil is not thinking of ways that he can say, well, how can I be a better friend to the people of Calvary Baptist Church? He is your adversary, he's a devil, and as a roaring lion, he goeth about seeking whom he may devour, and he's trying to devour the homes. Our parents today also need to understand that as they're raising their children, that they don't always know better than the previous generations. You know, our parents oftentimes, I hear said, as I counsel, well, my parents just didn't understand how to raise children. I'm going to be a little gentler, and I'm going to be a little more tolerant in my parenting. Now, I would dare say if I were to poll every person here who has already raised their children and their children are gone, you can't go back and say, well, boy, I sure made a lot of mistakes, and there are some things that if I had a chance to do over, I'd do it better. But I want to tell you something, the mindset of parents today in casting off what the previous generation has done is not wise. Please keep in mind that as we parent today and whatever it is that we do in helping guard children and guide them in the right way, that it's not necessarily the stereotype of the home that we've been raised in, it's not necessarily the, the mindset of the previous generation but it is the Word of God that we must go back to. God has a prescription for how everything you do in life that it's to be followed His way, not the world's way. How should you live your life as a Christian? You say, well, I'm going to follow that preacher. I'm going to follow that deacon or that Sunday school teacher. Let me tell you something. Nothing wrong with any of that, but be sure to follow the Word of God. You say, well, I'm I'm going to try to uh, uh, make sure that I do this and and, uh, stay away from these activities because so-and-so told me that and -and so-and-so said to make sure I do this. Be sure that you're following the Word of God. And when it comes to being a father or a mother in the home, your first course of action is to know this book and what this book says about how to be the right type of parent. Can I say God knows how to be a parent? God created Adam and Eve and became the first parent, if you will. And I'll tell you what, even God Himself, who created them in the most perfect environment and set everything else up for them to be able to walk with Him all of their life, found that even these children became rebellious against the most perfect parent in all the world. Well, I love when we come to this passage of Scripture as we look at what the Bible says about parenting. 
And when I look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it is a simple verse. But it is a verse that every parent, when they have a child, it's the first verse they want them to memorize. I remember when my kids could barely talk. Not all of their teeth had come in, but you know what I was having them memorize? I say, say after me, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And they'd repeat it. I said, now say it again, and we'd go over. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But think with me for just a moment about this word, obey. This word is a word that means to listen and to follow. It has this idea of hearing under or listening with attentiveness and responding positively to what is heard. Do you realize that obedience is the fundamental role of a child? That's why Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1 makes it very simple and very clear. Children, obey your parents, notice this, in the Lord. You're doing this not just unto mom and dad, but you're doing this as you're doing it unto the Lord. This word obey is a very common word because it is linked together with chapter 5, verses 21 and 22 that we looked at a few weeks ago. Remember the Bible says about husbands and wives, in the role that you have, you're to submit to the role that you have. Then in verse number 22, it says, wives submitting yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, the words are linked together. They're not the same exact Greek word, but do you realize that if you looked at them and phonetically pronounced them, they're very, very close. What's the difference? Well, in submitting in chapter 5, verse 21, if as a husband I'm to submit to the role that God has given me, and as a wife I'm to submit to the role, I am to submit to that one that I'm in a relationship with as I am equal with them. Husbands and wives, this is not a higher than. It's not husbands over the wife. It is husbands and wives together. And each one are to submit to the role that they have. But now Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, this idea of obeying, it is an inferior obeying a superior. God has established the home where parents, mom and dad, husband, wife, are on an equal footing, created equally before God. But now God has established the parents underneath them, the children, and the children are to obey. They're to hear under. They're to respond positively to what is given. Powerful words. And may I say to you today that whatever stages of life you have children or grandchildren, it is the responsibility of children to obey, and it is the responsibility of parents to teach the children to obey. I think for just a moment, some stages of obedience. There is the young stages. Now, I'll be honest with you, as my kids were growing up, as we got through the one, two, and three-year-old, I thought, man, I don't know what all these parents are complaining about. This stuff's pretty simple. And then they got to be teenagers. I can talk about it. I got all three of my kids here today. And man, I'm, I've, I've got lots of stuff in my notes. I'm raring to go. In fact, if you want to go sit in the back, you can, James and Julie. That'd be all right. But truthfully, every stage, there's something important to look at. There's the young age stage here of life. My kids know this. Anytime that I would correct them or I would talk to them, 
kids have a way of just looking around at everything and not paying attention to the one that they're listening to. And I'd always do this, look at me. Look at me. I want to make sure that I have their undivided attention. When they're young, when they're three and four and five years old, it's obeying simple commands. It's making sure that you follow this. This Everything's a kind of a yes and no and following very simple commands. But then as they get older, into their teen years, some of the decisions of life become more difficult. And that's why it's important that every child, when they're young, learns to simply obey their mom and dad. So that way they have that implicit trust of their mom and dad. And when their mom and dad say as a teenager, I want you to stay away from that social media site. I want you to stay away from those friends. You know what the child does? They learn to obey their mom and dad because they've trusted them from the time they're young. So may I say, parents, those that are, have young children, it is very important that you take the responsibility of teaching them now at a young age to obey. May I say that this obedience is not only something learned about the different stages, but there is a, a complete obedience that is to be taught. A complete obedience that is to be taught. Not partial obedience, not just when I feel like it, but a complete obedience. And children should be taught to obey right away. But you know what the sad part is? Many parents condition their children not to obey right away. I've been amazed at how many parents I have heard say when I've been in the grocery store. Now when I get to 10... I'm like, 10, I wish I had 10 count when I was growing up. But one, and all of a sudden they get to nine, and when they get to nine, the kid's still not obeying, and it's nine and a quarter, nine and a half. Because, you know why? The parent doesn't want to follow through. They don't want to follow through with the discipline. And kids at two and three and four-year-olds, they're so smart. They're like, I got all the way up to 10 to figure out what I want to go ahead and do. And really what children ought to be taught is not only complete obedience, but to obey right away. How amazing it is that God establishes to children obeying a promise. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 6 how it says, Children, obey your parents. Then in verse 2, honor thy father and thy mother. And he says, this is the first commandment. Do you realize of the Ten Commandments given in Exodus chapter 20 that this is the only commandment that specifically is revolved around the family? Honor thy father and thy mother. And verse number three, why? That it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Can I say that obedience will keep, probably keep a child from the harmful things that will shorten his or her life? Obedience will help a child in every area of life. There's a great promise to it because obedience, if it is learned in the home, then obedience will be carried out in the school classroom to the teacher. It'll be carried out in society to government officials. It'll be carried out to when they finally get in the workplace and they have a boss over them. But it starts at home where parents teach their children how to obey. So today I just want to provide some aspects and understanding of that leadership for children in the home. Notice verses 1 through 3. I want to give this first major point, and that is 
there is to be a stable administration. In other words, understanding the role and responsibility that parents have. Parents are to understand that if children are to obey, that's what they're to do, then that means parents have to fulfill their roles within the home. Dr. Lee Robertson, who had a great church up out in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and started a, a great Bible college, often used to say, everything rises and falls on leadership. Doesn't matter whether it's a leadership in the church, doesn't matter whether it's the workplace or the home, everything rises and falls on leadership. And therefore, parents must give themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord if they are to fulfill this very important and necessary role. Now, what does this role look like? What does this stable administration in home look like? Well, first of all, parents are to provide godly authority. You know, God's prescribed plan is for children to obey. I read a number of years ago a book by Ted Tripp. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And he said the following things. The problem today is not that kids don't want to receive authority. It is that parents don't want to take authority. It's sad that in far too many homes, the children are running the home and dictating what goes on in those four walls. And you say, well, preacher, why does that happen? Why do, I, why do I feel that way? Why do I see that in so many homes today? Well, I'll tell you a very simple and innocent philosophy that has hurt many homes. I want to be a friend to my child while they're growing up. Now, can I say to you, there's nothing wrong with being a friend to your child. But if the Lord tarries, you have all of their adult life to be friends with them. My three children are here. I still have one at home. I could still spank her, I think. You know, take her over by knee. But truthfully, I have two of them out of home and married. And today, we're friends. It's beautiful. But while they were in the home, yes, there was a friendship, but that was not our primary relationship. Our primary relationship was I was the authority figure, the mother was the authority figure, and they were the ones that were to obey. And therefore, it's important to understand that. Notice, if you will, I want you to hold your place here. Go back to the book of Proverbs for just a minute. Proverbs chapter number 4. I want you to notice something here. Proverbs chapter number 4. And I want to read the first four verses of this chapter, Proverbs chapter number four. The Bible says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsaking not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. You realize in this passage of Scripture, we see the importance of the parent in fulfilling the role of leading and being the authority in the home. Sadly, many parents are trying to pass off their leadership role, and they're passing it off to a coach, 
They're passing it off to a youth pastor. They're passing it off to a teacher or a grandparent. But I'm telling you, parents today, it is high time for you to step in and do the job of being a parent. Lead in the following areas. Lead in the area of discipline. Lead in the educational process. Lead in the spiritual relationship that they have with God. Lead in supporting the other authority figures in the life of your child. So notice here, parents are to provide godly authority in this stable administration. But secondly, parents are to personify a life of honor. Again, going back to Ephesians chapter 6, notice here this Not only are children to obey, but they're to honor their parents. It's quite interesting to note how this next verse talks about this aspect of honoring. The word honor means to assign value. It is personal esteem that is attached to someone by the beholder. To honor means to revere. It means to show respect for. And this word honor is different than the word obey. Remember, the word obey means to hearken, to follow uh, someone's instructions, that is of an authority figure. But I see here this word honor is different. For instance, when I was growing up in my mom and dad's household up in Massachusetts, I was there and I was taught to obey my mom and dad. When my mom and dad said something, I was taught that I needed to do that or there were consequences. When I finished college, about 22 years old, I got married and I moved out of that household. Now, it didn't change the fact that that was my mom and dad. But it did change this. No longer did I now have to obey the immediate instructions of my parents because now I was establishing my own home. But there was something that I should do and I have done and tried to do. And that is, I may not obey my dad today who's still alive, but I desire to honor my dad. I want to listen when my dad says something. Son, I, I, let, me, let me just share this with you. Now, I, I have a choice. I've got my own household. I can choose to go ahead and do that or not. But I tell you, it's very wise of me to really consider and place value on the fact that my dad's already lived 70 plus years. He's already been in the Word of God a lot longer than I ever have. He's had a longer relationship with the Lord. And so therefore, I want to honor him. Now that obeying is not just real uh, cut tight like this, that okay, you just obey when you live in the home and then later you honor. Can I say that this passage of Scripture is written to those who are in the home and their first order of business is to obey, but they also ought to honor. Children are to honor. But could I say to you parents today, in fact, how many are parents today right now? Would you just raise your hand? You're, you've got children at home. Look, look at all this. If I asked this seven years ago when I first came, maybe two hands would have gone up. That's it. But look at how, how God has provided families coming in. Could I say to you today who are parenting It's one thing for you to demand the honor and say, well, you need to honor me. It's a whole other thing for you to live a life of example and let your children honor you in that way. Your life 
speaks volumes. You know, sometimes as leaders, we like to tell people what to do. And we like to say, well, you do this and you follow this and you follow that. And we think that's just the crux of parenting is just we tell kids what to do. But I want to tell you, especially as kids get older, they get very, very perceptive. And they watch what your life, what your life holds. They see what your life is like inside the home and what life is like outside the home. Now, if you say, well, preacher, I don't think our household is any different. I'm going to just tell you, I have found from time to time that I have lived a certain way in the household and I've lived a different way outside and shame on me for doing that because that set a bad example. I'll give you one example. It's happened a few times. My wife and I getting an argument coming to church. Now, don't look at me like you've never argued coming to church. I almost bet you in a crowd this big, there's somebody that's had an argument this morning coming to church. But isn't it amazing that you're arguing and fighting and you're saying all sorts of things to one another? You pull into church parking lot, you get out, you shut the door, somebody walks by and you go, oh, hey, sister, so-and-so, good to see you. This is my wife here. I love her. <laughs> We've all done that. And guess what kids do? They're like, no, wait a minute. Just two minutes ago, they were calling each other names that I've never heard inside church. And now they're acting all lovey-dovey? Can I say that if children are to honor you, there's got to be a life that is worth emulating? Be sure that your life counts. That you are real and authentic, and genuine in the church as you are at home. That you're not one way at home and one way at work, and one way at home and another way out in public. You need to personify a life of honor and have that you not only have that godly authority in teaching your children to obey, but that you cause your children to honor you because your children grow up and say, you know what? My mom and my dad, they may not be perfect, but they're real. They may flub it up once in a while. But as I've tried to do many times, and you can ask my son James or Johnny or Julianne, I've tried to go to them, my wife has, and we'll get and we'll say, look, we messed it up. Would you forgive us? You see, I'm not sharing here that parents are going to be perfect. I can just tell you, I'm standing here behind a pulpit, and I am not perfect as a parent. I've messed up a lot, but I have tried the best I can to come back to these kids and let them know I've messed up, and I want to do right. So what are we trying to do in providing leadership in a home? Provide here a stable administration. But number two, I want you to notice this. There are specific assignments that are given. If you're going to provide leadership, there's specific assignments. I love what it says here in this verse number four. It says, but bring them up. That words, those words there, bring them up, are the same word as nourisheth in chapter five, verse 29. It means to bring to maturity. You know what our goal as parents? Our goal is spiritually and in every other area is to bring our children from point A to point B. So therefore, what are the specific assignments that I have? 
Well, first of all, parents, according to verse 4, are to nurture their children. To nurture. Now, we don't use the word nurture a whole lot, but the word nurture has the idea of training or giving instruction. It involves discipline, education, correction, chastisement. In fact, the very Greek word pedeia means to give instruction that prepares someone to reach full development. If you were to train someone in the art of painting, or if you were to train someone in the art of music, or train them in some particular skill set, you would want to bring them to where they would come to completion, to where they would master that. You know what we're trying to do with our children? We're trying to padea them. We're training them to bring them from immaturity to maturity. And it's the responsibilities of parents to prepare their children for life, to instruct them and to correct them. Both things are involved. There's the instruction, but there also is the discipline, the correction. Alexander Pope, An English poet once said, As the twig is bent, so grows the tree. Do you realize stakes are very important for a tree that is just growing? A stake is put there to make sure that that tree, as it gets taller, that it grows straight and tall. And those stakes will work remarkably well if they are put in when the tree is young. And therefore, as our children are young, it's important that we instruct them. New young trees, or if you will, new children, need to have stakes planted alongside them so our children can grow in the right direction. How do we do this? Well, first of all, there's that instruction part. That's the teaching It's not so much that it's academic. Sometimes we think, well, okay, I'm going to instruct my children. Sit down. Let me tell you everything I know. Then we start kind of babbling out of our mouth. I want to tell you, it's not just like a classroom setting, but it is teaching them as we go along through life. It involves the Christian parent as we go through everyday life to take the principles and the verses of the Word of God and implement them in every aspect A child gets caught lying, and so we correct them, and we begin to teach them, what does the Bible say about lying? A child is in the nursery, and they're coveting another toy, and we simply share with them how we need to have our own things and not covet other things. Boy, if you don't realize the sinful nature of a child, you've not worked in a a church nursery, I'm just telling you. Covetousness is all over the church nursery. I mean, you give every kid in the nursery a toy, and all of a sudden that kid walks over and wants that toy that that kid has over there. Covetousness is part of it. But we shouldn't be uh, uh, so... We, we should take the opportunity to teach our children the things that they need to know in this life. I'm not talking even just about what God may have them do for their work. But I'm talking about spiritual things. Instruct them in spiritual things. Teach them about Bible reading. Teach them about prayer. Teach them about church attendance. Teach them about all these things. But then secondly, there's the area not only of instruction, but of discipline. You see, this aspect of nurturing our children, there's an instruction part, but there's a discipline aspect. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. There is a chastening part that goes on. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the chastening that the Lord gives. And the Lord chastens us as His children, just like an earthly father chastens or corrects or disciplines His children. Listen to this in Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now sadly, we don't like to talk about discipline today. There was a French philosopher by the name of Jean-Jacques Rousseau was an early advocate of this aspect that every child had this innate goodness in him. And it was society that actually taught children how to behave in evil ways. But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us that children are not born with innate goodness. In fact, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The Bible talks about a form of discipline which sadly is missing in many households today. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Could I say if you're parenting today and you choose to follow the advice of the world and let your child find or have his own way, you will have shame upon you. Children today truly desire to be set in a right way and to have boundaries. I came across this some years ago. Some of you that are younger may not recognize the name. If I say Dr. Benjamin Spock, you might think I'm talking about Star Trek, but I'm not, okay? But those of you that are older, how many of you remember Dr. Benjamin Spock? Probably a lot of you read his book about parenting. And Dr. Benjamin Spock actually led the way among child-rearing professionals in instructing parents not to discipline their children. He said that disciplining your children would damage your child's ego. But do you realize that later in his life, he said that he made a mistake about what he had written? Listen to what he wrote. And I I want to read this to you and I quote this. We have reared a generation of brats. This is the guy that told you not to spank your kids. He said, parents aren't firm enough with their children for fear of losing their love or incurring their resentment. This is a cruel deprivation that we professionals have imposed on mothers and fathers. Of course, we did it with the best of intentions. We didn't realize until it was too late how our know-it-all attitude was undermining the self-assurance of parents. Now, could I say to you parents today that right now are living in this society where you shudder in the aspect of discipline or you're afraid of following through and correcting your child? I think biblically, and you look through the book of Proverbs and all through the Bible, I think that there are certain rules for discipline that must be understood. Number one, every discipline ought to be done under control. Discipline is not done right when you're out of anger. And you're upset, and you're coming in, you're, you're, you're ready to just pound flesh because you can't believe this little child of yours disobeyed. I want to tell you something. Every discipline ought to be done with control. Number two, discipline ought to be done consistently. You know what hurts and damages a child many times? 
is when all of a sudden parents fly off the handle and they discipline it for one time, but the other five times they let it go. You've got to be consistent. But number three, you've got to recognize that your discipline is for this aspect. It is to correct the wrong that was done. My children probably remember many times when I would come in and I would discipline them. And I would sit out with them. And I'd say these words to them. I'd say, now that the discipline's over, I'm not bringing this up again. It's over. And before I discipline them, I help them understand what was it that they did wrong. Because I didn't want them to realize that in my discipline, that I was just disciplining to do it for fun. You know, kids often think, you ever heard the statement, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? I don't know why parents say that, honestly. But truthfully, as we come in and we discipline, we do it for correction. But notice the second aspect of this specific assignment is parents are to admonish their children. The word admonish comes from the Greek word nuthasia, which means to warn or give counsel. In fact, in Christian counseling circles, there is something known as nuthetic counseling. You know what it comes from? It comes from this word admonition. The Word has this idea to set the mind through God-inspired warning, to improve a person's reasoning so they can arrive at God's solution. So what are you as parents doing to warn your children about what is wrong and direct them to what is right? Well, I want you to notice how all of this fits together. We're to nurture them as they're young That discipline, a lot of it should be done in the earlier years. The instruction is given right in these earlier years. And then as they get to the teen years, as their world begins to open up and they are involved in so many more things, then it's this admonition to give warning and help and guidance to be able to go the right direction. Oh, it's important. Now, this is not an either-or, not just that you only nurture young and admonish them as they get older, but I think it's laid out that you're training, disciplining, or correcting as they're growing up, and they get in these teen years, and you help to admonish them. Now, there's a lot to warn our kids about. Can I say to you today, things that my parents didn't have to deal with, that parents today, social media... Now, every home today is going to warn their kids differently, and they're going to allow different aspects as far as social media. But I'm telling you, you better warn your kids about social media today. We find ourselves in a media-addicted culture. Do you realize a typical teenager spends 11 and a half hours each day connected to, not just in the presence of, but interacting with some form of media? 78% of young people ages 12 to 17 have their own cell phones. On average, teens send and receive in excess of 3,000 text messages a month. I got some people here today that don't even text at all. 92% of teens go online on a regular basis, including 24% who say they go online almost consistently. And here's the great concern about all this. Here's where parents ought to really be concerned. 55% of all 12-year-olds are already on Facebook. 
73% of online teens have profiles on social networking sites. 47% of online teens have uploaded photos. 14% of those have posted videos. And 53% of those have posted provocative or inappropriate photos or information online. And then we're starting to come, there's a big rise in harassment online. Now do you realize why it's important to warn your children about social media? Why it's important that we guide them and admonish them and give them instructions? We ought to admonish our children as they get older about the friends that they hang around with. We ought to admonish our children and warn them about worldly activities. You know, it's amazing to me as a preacher, I find this so so dumbfounding, really. I have parents often that will come in and they'll begin asking about our nursery. Is your nursery clean? Do you sanitize everything after every service? Do all your workers have background checks? Boy, I'll tell you what, they'll grill me as a preacher about our nursery and about our children's workers and our children's rooms and everywhere that our children go. But yet at home, they don't watch what they get onto in the computer. They're more concerned about what goes on everywhere else, but they're clueless about what goes on at home. And I want to encourage you to admonish. But I give the last thing, and I'm just going to give it quickly, and that is verse number 4. There's a shepherding advancement. Notice here, ye fathers, and it's not just the fathers, verse number 4, provoke not your children to wrath. This is an application to both mother and father. Even though Father is a leading figure in the home, and because He is, He has the greatest potential to discourage His children. The word provoke has the idea of treating the child in such a way, or acting in such a way, that allows a deep-seated anger to well up within the child. I'll tell you what, it's important that we as parents realize that there are certain things that can be done that will affect our children. You say, what type of things? Playing favorites in the home. Sadly, this is characteristic of many family dynamics. You go back to the Bible, the book of Genesis, this was the problem of Isaiah and Rebekah's household. Isaiah favored Esau, while Rebekah favored Jacob. That has a way of affecting a kid. A critical spirit in the home. I know that as you're raising your children, your children right now don't know how to do everything just like you do it. I'm just going to share just very simply, my my children knew this, I, I, I have somewhat of this perfectionist mindset. It's got to be done this way. Everything goes in this place. Everything is this way. And you know, sometimes my kid didn't do that that way, and they didn't follow that, and boy, I would get upset. Well, that would have an effect on them. And I'd have to come back and make things right. It's important you don't have a critical spirit. It's important, parents, you don't neglect your children. You know what your children need? They need you. They desire you to be with them. And so, therefore, shepherding advancement. I want to put this little phrase on the screen, which is very, very important here. And that is, with love and a godly example, you and I are to lead our children for what God has for their life. Oh, how important it is to do this. Now, as I close today, I want to say to you, those of you who have raised children and those of you that are raising them now, 
Parenting's hard work. It takes determination. It takes dedication of moms and dads to get involved. But I'm telling you, God has given you the responsibility at home to be the authority figure, to set the right example, to nurture and admonish your children, to spend time with them and to make sure that you don't provoke them to anger and to be sure that you prepare them for what God has for them. I close with this little illustration. There was a a man who was an English poet by the name of Samuel Coleridge. One day he was talking with a particular individual, and this individual did not believe that children should be given any religious instruction at all. In fact, this guest of the poet actually claimed that the child's mind should not be prejudiced in any direction, and when that child becomes older, he should be uh, free and permitted to choose whatever religion that he wanted for himself. And Coleridge just sat there and listened to this man. And after a while, he invited his visitor. He said, would you come with me? He says, I, I just want to walk through my garden for just a moment. And the man said he would. And Coleridge took him out to the garden. And he took him to the part where there were only weeds growing. The man looked at Coleridge in surprise and knew that this man was very particular about how he did everything. And he said, look at all this. What? This is not a garden. There's nothing but weeds here. And Coleridge looked at him. He said, well, he said, I, I didn't want to infringe on the liberty of the garden in any way. I didn't want to hurt the flowers and I wanted them to be free. And so I'm giving the garden a chance to express itself and choose its own production. I think you get the example. You and I as parents have a very strong, important, valuable role. And how important it is that we follow through. Let's bow our heads, please, and close our eyes for an invitation time. Lord in heaven, I thank you for this wonderful day. I'm grateful for this passage of Scripture how you teach us and share with us the things that we need. And today was very specific for parents. Maybe it's today there's some teachers in here that have some strong influence with children. Maybe it's grandparents that have a great responsibility with their grandchildren. I don't know whatever the case may be, but help us to apply what is given to us. It might be that we as parents can help our adult children and just gingerly kindly, graciously help them understand the Bible and what it says about the role of a parent. Whatever it may be, I pray that decisions would be made. 